Hey everyone, before we get started on a new season of the show, I wanted to mention a couple of things. First, I appreciate each and every listener we get on the show, and especially those who came back after our long absence. Jim and I have both been on the podcast IL for a while with day job inflammation, but we're back, and while Jimmy may not always be on the mic with me, we'll be bringing more conversations with writers, players, creators, and more across the baseball landscape every week. Secondly, I have held off from making these sorts of requests in the past, but I'm going to cave this time around. Please like, share, subscribe to the show. Check out our back catalog with interviews of with uh, people like Dan Okrent, Jeff Passan, Hannah Kaiser, Bailey Freeman of Foolish Baseball, and more. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to some great conversations. My first guest this season is Jay Jaffe, senior writer at Fangraphs and author of the Cooperstown Casebook. He's also one of the most prominent Hall of Fame experts out there and someone whose insight on Cooperstown and the Hall is uh, invaluable, especially given the uh, level of discourse that uh, current that surrounds it uh, currently. So enjoy our conversation. And again, like, share and subscribe. Thank you. Broken records of the past Does anything really last? And welcome to episode 70 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your host, Adam C. McKinnon. My normal co-host, Jim Passon Jr., is on assignment putting together Alex Rodriguez's Sacrifice Bunt highlight reel. But in the meantime, uh, I am joined by uh, the one and only Jay Jaffe. Uh, Jay, thanks for coming and taking some time to come on the show. Hey, sure thing. Good to be here. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I wish there was less to talk about, you know, in the just general baseball world right now. But, um, you know, as we all know, the uh, MLB has just decided they just want to be complete, uh, completely obstinate for this lockout process. Um, so here we are. Um, any thoughts on what's going on right now, Jay? Um, I, I, my, my one thought is that if you have, if you had made plans to go to spring training this year, you probably should be working on a backup plan because, uh, uh, you're not going to get spring training as, as we expected. And beyond that, I don't know. Um, you, you know, this is, we're in a lockout situation that stinks. Um, you know, I think the players are are are, are much more uh, organized and strongly bound together than they've been in, in in the last couple of negotiations, and the owners totally uh, underestimated that and have uh, overplayed their hand. But um, that doesn't mean we're getting baseball soon. I think you should be fans need to remember that you know the the best result of this isn't just a season without lost games. It's it's. Uh, a good outcome for the players that, that helps to, um, you know, reduce some of the inequities, uh, making sure that, that uh, younger players, players earlier in their career get paid. Um, and uh, uh, the game, you know, the, 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 the more of the revenue that's coming in, and there's plenty of revenue coming in, right. uh, goes to the players. It's pretty obvious 
um, that the owners have gained so much ground in recent years. And, and uh, uh, if you're rooting for the owners to win this fight, you really ought to look in the mirror and reassess your priorities. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's amazing. Like you just, you just, uh, you know, it, the, it, I can't get over the, the fact that we are so obsessed over 162 games but yet the the progress and the macro, like it's like just take a step back and realize what's at stake here. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And um, of course, you know it, it's fresh off the uh, the the Hall of Fame. It's just it's like almost like one after the other. And um, this past year, I was I you know I, I especially wanted to ask you now that we. It, does it feel a little bit this year like uh, a sort of pressure valve has been like released a little bit uh, now that you look at uh, the ballot that uh, you say Kurt Schilling, you look at Barry Bonds, you look at Roger Clemens coming off the ballot. Is there is there do you get the impression that say like we've been having a, it feels like a circular conversation for as long as they've been on the ballot. I mean, it, it almost feels like in some cases it's like copy paste year after year when we talk about these players, do you think that this has been sort of a pressure releasing moment for them to come off the writer's ballot at all? I mean, in, in yeah, in some ways, yes. I mean, I certainly, when I, I earlier this week, I did, I did my five year uh, election mm-hmm. outlook um, looking at the next five ballots and it's just a relief to not be thinking about bonds and Clemens and shilling in this context. I'm, you know, kind of exhausted from it. Actually, for the first time this year, I didn't do a full update of their profiles. I just did kind of a, uh, a roundup of uh, what we'd learned in the last year. And, and uh, uh, mostly it was, it had to do, had to do with, um, you know, the transgressions, the, the recent transgressions of Kurt Schilling. But, um, you know, the problem isn't going away in that they'll be eligible for the today's game ballot, uh, which will be announced in uh, November. Um, but it's just a, it's a it's a smaller electoral body voting on them. This the hall has a lot of control over who gets to vote in that one. Um, you know, I think it'll be we're, we're going to be hearing about these guys every two two or three years uh, in this context for a while because I don't think uh, it's likely that they're going to get in via this route anytime soon. I think they'll get in eventually, um, but it's nice to ponder uh, a BBWAA elections that don't have. Uh, the what you know the gruesome twosome of Barnes and Clemens, um, and, and and Mr. Mouth Kurt showing, um, sucking up so much oxygen, um, and and increasing the the polarization of the debates. Yeah, I, and you, I started to, I feel like I started to see it a little bit this year when like you saw actually saw like Scott Rowland and Andrew Jones start to get like some airtime that I feel like they may not have. Uh, gotten in years past so it, it it did kind of feel a little bit like everybody was new everybody knew they weren't going to get in if it, it there's almost like this uh joyless march to the inevitable and now it's over and now at least from that perspective right and then now we can look at other at other players candidacies and it's a little more balanced um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've been keeping my eye on, you know, I, cause I evaluate all the candidates. I've been mm-hmm. keeping my eye on those down ballot guys for years and knowing, you know, even after last year's shutout that we had a possibility of a second shutout, still very interested to see how Roland and Helton and Jones and Billy Wagner, um, and Gary Sheffield, those guys, you know, were progressing. Um, to me, that was, you know, I, 
they actually didn't gain as much ground this year as they did in the previous two years for the most part. Um, but it, but we really do have a new crop of candidates to evaluate. And for the most part, we are debating player performance and how to analyze it as opposed to off field stuff, you know, which isn't to say these guys don't have some, you know, Sheffield's got a Balco connection. Jones has a domestic violence, uh, actually uh, arrest and, and, and even uh, conviction. Uh, but we're talking about comparatively less polarizing debates. And I think that's kind of refreshing, especially the guys like Roland and Helton who got slow starts, Wagner too, who got very slow starts to their candidacy. And, you know, we're just arguing about baseball and that's, that's fun. Right. It, it's it's like the uh, political I, I don't want to use it's not the right word to use political, but that that air of it is it does feel like it's being let out of the room a little bit. And now we can like sit down and talk about the numbers, which seems a- appropriate because, you know, I, I wonder as the BBWA electorate continues to progress and we look at these candidates that have finally kind of shed off the ballot. Do you think that like we're going to see more or less emphasis and you kind of alluded to it where like we're talking about baseball and we're talking about the numbers, but do you think when these bonds and Clemens provide any sort of learning template, any sort of platform where we can say, let's not do this again. It when, when, and if we run into characters that both have outstanding performance but still have these questionable traits. I mean, uh, you could presently point to like Alex Rodriguez. Um, and next year we have Carlos Beltran that comes with some baggage as well. Yeah. We're, yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not getting rid of the polarizing debates. We're not getting rid of the arguments about character. Um, you know, like you said, Alex Rodriguez is, is now on the ballot. We'll be talking about him for the next nine years uh, as well, since he seems unlikely to, uh, exceed the percentages of bonds that bonds and Clemens received in the mid sixties um, because of his suspension. Um, we've got another five years of talking about Omar Vizquel and the, the, the really heinous sounding stuff that he did um, the allegations regarding uh, domestic violence and uh, sexual harassment. Um, the Carlos Beltran thing were in uncharted territory. Uh, we've seen the electorate, become more conscious of that character clause uh wielding it as a as a as a tool kind of to to negative purpose uh to to block players from election and this really kind of didn't um uh didn't really start happening until mark mcguire landed on the ballot in 2007 um you know so we've got a whole decade and a half of, of writers pointing to that character clause, which is pretty obscure otherwise, uh, you know, and justifying excluding players who whose numbers otherwise uh, suggested that they were qualified for the Hall of Fame. So I, I you know, I don't think we're, I, you know, I don't think we're getting rid of that tendency anytime soon. Um, and I don't know, I'm of I'm of mixed feelings about the whole thing. I don't like putting stock in the character clause because it was something that was originally the invention of Judge Landis, who spent uh, his 24-year tenure keeping baseball segregated, right. uh, would not seem to have much character himself. <laughs> uh, the character clause would seem to have been ignored when Bud Selig, uh, three-time offender, uh, when it came, you know, as participating in collusion, uh, was elected a few years ago. Um, 
So I'm not really wild about putting stock in, in, in the character clause. At the same time, I do think it, it is okay um, that we acknowledge that there are not, that these are not saints that we're evaluating. Right. Um, these guys, some of them really messed up. And, you know, I think it's something like six or seven on this year's ballot out of 30 that were credibly accused of domestic violence. I mean, not just um, Omar Vizquel, but also Andrew Jones. Yes. Um, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, uh, Manny Ramirez. Um, I think of all of those, the only one who actually had a conviction so far was Andrew Jones. Uh, but even that doesn't seem to have been the most severe of, of, of the cases. Um, but oh, oh, so Carl Crawford's another one. I mean, just, you know, there's the Carl, Carl Crawford, one of his gun violence involved. Yep. I mean, there's just, yeah. there's really, there's really some harrowing stuff there. And I think better if we're talking about this stuff, I don't, you know, I, I don't like that it becomes a polarizing thing, but we're talking about this stuff and, and not pretending that it didn't happen. And I think that's actually um a net positive even if it does maybe have an impact on hall you know hall of fame voting i don't think we owe it we necessarily have to recognize uh those guys although i will you know i will say i did i did vote for bonds i did vote for clements i did vote for jones um you know that's because i'm not putting stock in the character clause but there's there's an inherent contradiction in what i'm saying and i've acknowledged that and i still haven't figured out like i said um a, a a truly coherent rationale other than i don't really want to go picking at the character clause um you know i did leave kurt schilling off i think he is a case that you you well you unfor- you summed unforeseen. it up you summed it up perfect in one of your articles i think it was a couple of years ago where you said i'm tired of telling people to hold their nose and vote for kurt schilling yeah yeah there's that and i just, i don't want to give him a platform i'm not i'm not worried about um uh you know, some of these other guys who, who have committed offenses getting, you know, the getting the, the platform that, that comes with the Hall of Fame, I don't think they're going to do more damage that way. I do think Kurt Schilling has the potential to do more damage, um, you know, with his election because it just gives him a bigger megaphone. And, and, and uh, that's something I, I'm not, I don't want, my, I don't want my name attached to it if that happens. Right, and, uh, right. Um, so uh, uh, that that sort of leads me to to this is this is the um, to me the million dollar question when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I've had people take two. It seems to me there's almost like two camps on how to even view this, right? So, like for example, myself, I'm a bit of a pragmatist, maybe to a fault. You know, my I'm a if you're if we can't tell the complete story of your era without you, you should be in the Hall of Fame. That it's a place to sort of uh, immortalize and encapsulate this uh, place for, for to encapsulate the sport for this era. There's other people that have brought up really, I think, interesting and provocative viewpoints where they say um, Bradford Davis, uh, who was on who was on the show, he he said something that stuck with me. He said to me, the hall should be a little like church, where yes, there's. There's things, and you know, I'm interpreting a little bit here, but like there's complications under the surface, but it's a place where you can ultimately go and feel good about the company around you and the intention of being there. So I, I would put the question to you, like, is, is it something, is there a line that this falls, that the hall really falls over where it be the sort of like, should it be more of a time capsule and it tells all the ugly truths, in which case you 
you you kind of have the responsibility to put people like Bonds and Schilling and jo- and um, Rodriguez in, or do we? Is it the responsibility of the Hall to kind of kind of legislate that a little bit? Well, I you know I I think any notion that we can sanitize it is uh, you know we're we're. The, the the barn door has 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 long been open and the horses have run off. I mean, you've got Rogers Hornsby who was a KKK member, right. um, Cap Anson. You know, I think I think I you know I, you've got uh, uh, you've you know you've got some fairly nefarious characters in there. Um, the Hall of Fame is definitely not a church. Um, you know, these are not saints in there. Babe Ruth had you know some pretty wild exploits. Um, if you ask the, uh, Ben Verlander, he burned his life his wife alive. Yeah, I mean, holy shit, holy shit, that was that was that was absolutely batshit insane. Pardon my French. Uh, no, you're good. Um, you're good. No, the uh, but um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's there are things about Ty Cobb that make us uncomfortable, but they're not. The, the, but you need to be careful with Ty Cobb, yes, because so much of that is inflated by um, the. Uh, um, an author with a vendetta. An author with an author with a vendetta in Al Stump, and 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 we should be careful not to put stock in in, in that. But there are a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, miscreants in the Hall of Fame, and to pretend that um, that it hasn't already happened, and, and you know, is is silly. Um, warts and all, you know. I, look, I don't think we're. I don't think there's necessarily an obligation to honor the bonds and Clemens and, and, and Schilling and, and, and other guys, you know, I think that's still a choice. I think it's important to remember that the hall of fame is a reflection of what we value and what we care about. And at times we have cared less about so-called character um, and just value the performance. And now we are placing a bit more emphasis on character. And I, again, I, you know, I while I don't like the character clause, I don't think the whole movement is inappropriate. I think, you know, we see in so many places that, you know, you, you put the name on a, you know, you, if you put the name of, of somebody on a building, you expect that person to be mainly a fairly virtuous person, you know, maybe, maybe more complicated than, than you'd like, but, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to be putting, uh, um, Let's say, like you know, uh, like uh, a Klansman's <laughs> name on, on on a building, just to use a recent controversy that surfaced. Yeah, um, you know, you don't want to be you don't want to be um, to 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 be investing more in those in in those kinds of things. And so, you know, if we've decided that as as a group that you know these steroid guys aren't going to get in, well, you know, so be it. I mean, I'm you know, two thirds of the voters almost did want Bonds and Clemens in, um, so we're not. Um, you know, entirely, this is not a monolith, um, but, you know, that's, that's where we are is, is that we're not recognizing these guys that, that uh, I think have, have, you know, have some, have some serious issues about them and not just PEDs. I mean, look, if, if Bonds and Clemens was only PEDs, I, I know that they would have had a few more votes for them uh, than, you know, if they, if they had, you know, uh, Roger Clemens with the allegations of, uh, um, you know that he had relations with an underage woman, um, Barry Bonds, with you know two separate uh, domestic violence allegations. I mean, it's so you know I understand it, and I and I I'm not gonna I can't begrudge any individual um, deciding not to not to support them on on, on bases like that. 
Um, you can't for you can't put somebody on a ballot and give them the choice to vote yes or no on a candidate and then penalize them for for not voting for them because you've given them the out by putting them up for a vote. Right. I kind of look at the subjectivity uh, and the sort of uh, human element of the Hall of Fame, of the BBWA voting, kind of like, not totally, but kind of like how I view umpiring sometimes. Like, I don't know that going to with a painfully objective route with like a statistical threshold or something like that is going to produce results any more or less desirable than putting it to people to vote. Um, So I, I kind of wonder sometimes, like, we know, we talk about, I've heard some people propose, well, there should be a statistical threshold or there should be, you know, it should be completely subject. I I don't know that there's a right answer. I think it, it is kind of like you have to straddle both lines and, just like the game itself, you know, you kind of have to accept the imperfections along the way. Um, I wonder too, but what that does though, sometimes it does create this byproduct where we do end up with really worthy players that don't even get the consideration they deserve, whether it be they fall off the ballot like a Louis Tion or they, you know, uh, they don't even make the first ballot like a Kenny Lofton. Um, so, which leads me to my question, you know, like, Everybody has that sort of like Hall of Fame, Mayor of Cooperstown, Hall of Fame, God mode moment. And I'm curious for you, like, you know, you have that God mode power. Uh, You can automatically place one player directly in and you can put one player back on the ballot. Is there anyone that jumps out in your mind? I mean, I, you know, I feel very strongly that Dick Allen should be in and, and I'm, you know, angered that he did not make it in that he fell one vote short uh for the second time in a row um that one really bothers me because of all the misconceptions about alan that uh um i think hindered his uh um you know hindered his consideration consideration of him as a candidate for so long um you know before that i would have said Minnie minoso but he he was elected thankfully um it's a shame that alan wasn't elected in his lifetime um, so that's that's one right there, uh, probably at the top of my list now that uh, uh, now that Minoso's gotten in. Um, and boy, if I want to put somebody out or at least put them up for a vote, let's start with Cap Anson, um, mm-hmm. who was pivotal in uh, drawing the color line, uh, the so-called gentleman's agreement in the, in the 1880s after uh, a smattering of, of black players did um uh, it did make some inroads. Um, you know, what, what he did, uh, uh, set the game back, uh, you know, 60 years, uh, from, you know, from terms of, uh, uh, the progression of, of, of black players getting a chance to play in the major leagues. Um, you know, he was a big, big star for his day, but you know, if, we, if we're going to consider character, right. <laughs> you know, segregationists go to the, you know, go to the bottom of my list in terms of who we're going to acknowledge is great. Yeah, I think that's and that's that's the thing is like we we can't go back and undo, you know, some of the one of the less egregious, much less egregious uh, entries into the hall. But one that like always kind of nags at me a little bit from a statistical. It was always like Jack Morris, where I always thought like, man, this is he had one like amazing game, uh, unfortunately, against my team. And, you know, that sort of buoyed him. But like still, I I look at a lot of like it's like the threshold is a constantly moving uh, target. And I I was reading your your five years projection piece and 
I see a lot of these sort of like, you know, borderline cases like, well, you know, it seems like a seems like a strong candidacy, but maybe not like outside of like Ichiro and Beltre. I, you know, there's a lot of guys that I could see going on either direction. Do you see like a lot of do you see the same thing or do you is there one player that you just have absolutely no idea and is there another one you're just absolutely so sure about? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think if we're leaving Ichiro and and Beltre out because I think they're they're statistical locks because they've got 3000 hits and no right. and no no uh, uh no real, you know, major baggage. Um you know, I, 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 it seems pretty obvious to me that Roland and Helton are, are on their way. Wagner, it's going to be close because of how little time he has left on the ballot. Um, the one I really don't have any idea how this is going to unfold is Carlos Beltran because mm-hmm. we're in such uncharted territory. Um, you know, on the one hand, um, the allegation, you know, of, of the, the report that puts him as the ringleader of the, of the Astros science stealing scandal, um, is pretty damning and, you know, t- kind of tough to swallow because it did uh, probably have an impact on, on, on the outcome of a world series. Um, on the other hand, this is something that, uh, you know, pertains to the final year of his career. Um, it seems to me that, that major league baseball sort of, you know, Rob Manfred's hands were tied to some extent because he couldn't levy penalties on um on other players without having, you know, challenged because those penalties had to be collectively bargained. Um, but at the same time, I think Beltran has, has become a convenient scapegoat uh, for the nefarious actions of many players. Um, and to leave him holding the bag to me seems to be an inequity uh, that I have a hard time swallowing. Um because it took more than one person to tango. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and um, especially Alex with Cora, the... Alex Cora got his job back. Yes. AJ Hinch got a job, <laughs> got a job back. I don't see why Carlos Beltran, you know, is would, would have to be eternally damned for this. If those guys are in the good graces of baseball. Um, well, especially since know, he lost, lost his job. He, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he lost his job. He's right. He's, he's, he's he, you know, to me, he, he, he's, he's paid his price. But having said that, I don't know how the electorate is going to view this. The, um, the ballot tracker guys did a poll of 22 experts. Uh, uh, I was uh, among them. The first year percentages of when he reaches the ballot next year are, are guesses ranged from 28 to 69 percent that is a pretty <laughs> wide range pretty big chasm there <laughs> yeah a lot you know uh, there are a lot of different now historically speaking even getting 28 percent in your first year is not a death sentence mm-hmm. uh for your candidacy um the tip point is actually i think around 40 percent, maybe even lower than that um if i'm remembering uh, correctly it's there's you know in terms of you know once you incorporate the the uh, the era or veterans committees um even getting to like the 30 percent range or something like that your odds are greater th- that you're going to go in than than not someday um but you know if it's 69 percent, we're probably looking at a, something that only takes two to three years uh to resolve itself if it's 28 percent, we might be looking at a 10-year candidacy 
be and then you know further consideration down the road via committee i don't know i have no idea how that's going to play yeah out. i i completely uh, agree with you i think he, i think because then it becomes it becomes like the thread theory right like where you know you punish beltron for this and then what do you do if, you know, Correa continues on the track he is? What do you do if mm-hmm. one, any of these other players start showing up? Uh, Justin Verlander, you know, these all these. Other, I know that the pitching side not is directly related, but you get. Yeah, my point, I, I can't know? I can't really connect Verlander to it. But yeah. but but Correa, yes. Yeah. Jose Altuve, even though he is alleged to have, you know, declined, <laughs> declined. I mean, there's still look, I, I think as stupid as the buzzer story is, um, you know, it, it, it it's uh, um, there's there's no question that Jose Altuve got recognition for playing on a team that benefited from the sign stealing, right? Um, you know, and uh, you know, on 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 some level, and you know, it just it's it it has for one one way or another, it has lessened my appreciation of of him and his accomplishments. Uh, because he was as a as a superstar player, he had a lot of power to speak up and say, "Guys, right. cut it the hell out." Yeah, you it's know? it's it's a so, it, it, it well again it becomes the thread. It becomes you know, it, I know the it, there's not a response inherent responsibility to hold that standard. Clearly, the hall has not in the past. But it does create, I think, for an interesting discourse. Like you were saying, this is uncharted territory in that way. Where now we have to, the electorate is forced into this position. We're like, well, what do we do with this? Because if we do it now, who's to say that, you know, the players who actually perpetrated this, you know, aren't going to get the same punishment that we already kind of, we already kind of put Carlos through the ringer a little bit. Yeah. So, so. So yeah, that one I have I have no idea. What was the other part of your question? Uh, the other part was just um, one that you were absolutely so sure about. Uh, you oh, know, I, yeah, that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, aside from aside from from the ones right, the ones yeah. that I mentioned, um, I'm not sh- I'm not sure I have another one that 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 stands out to me as 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 an automatic. Um, I you know I'm very interested to see how how the candidacies of Joe Maurer and and Buster Posey go. Um, you know, as cat there as catchers, they had relatively short careers, but they were elite. Um, their their reputations are bolstered by um, the framing data which we have for them, which especially for Posey makes a big difference. Um, we're talking about two catchers who, uh, you know, were two of the best offensive catchers ever. Um, you know, guys who won batting titles that doesn't happen very often for catchers. Um, MVPs. Uh, you know, injuries shortened their careers. I think they got out while they were ahead. Um, you right. know, we were deprived. You know, we weren't we weren't deprived of watching Buster Posey's breakdown years. Right, um, <laughs> that's true. You know, I, you know, I think, and I think, I think Maurer may have, you know, been the object lesson there. I mean, that was not particularly fun watching him play out the last the last few years of his career um, as a as a lighter hitting first baseman. Um, and it disappoints me that people seemed some people seem to want to remember him that way instead of, you know, the only three-time batting champion among catchers, um, a guy who probably should have won two MVP awards, not one. Um, and, you know, he's being, he's being dinged for that. And even the twins fans who, you know, act as act as though, you know, he was, he was stealing their money 
with that contract instead of leaving for the Yankees or, you know, some other team via free agency where they would have, you know, where he would have made them miserable. Uh, uh, you you for, can't, you for, can't uncork the, uh, the uh, Stockholm syndrome of fans and owners right before we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm very interested to see how, I don't think either of those guys are locks given the, given the, um, the nuances of their candidacies. I, I feel strongly in favor of them based on, you know, my observations in my system, but um, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that their candidacies could go. I think, I think they'll get in eventually, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as I'm, as, as, as I have posited. Yeah. Well, Jay Jaffe, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Sure thing. <laughs>